Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. I have two co-hosts. Not going to say their names. Um, we are here to talk about the comics that came out on June twenty first, twenty twenty two. Starting with Batman Superman World's Finest number four, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Dan Mora. Zach, you were the one who said we have to read this issue. So tell us, what'd you think of this issue? Uh, it was uh, very cool. I won't. I won't quite say it whipped, but it was very cool. What what's keeping it from whipping in your estimation? Um, Neja is not Magog, and the kingdom hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> I mean, by that definition, no comic has whipped since the late nineties. That's actually true. I think. Um, no, you know what's going to be sweet, Zach. What's going to be sweet when this comic goes on for like. 12 between 12 and 24 issues and right near the end wade ties all of that stuff in at the last minute in a way that blows your mind yeah that will that will be very cool yeah so this this comic is still it's still very good and it has the potential to whip in the future but right now i mean what other comic at dc is letting its uh two biggest bros do the fusion dance (laughs) and 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 be a Green Lantern at the same time. Yeah, it's nutty. It's so nutty. Absolutely nutty. And the um, art is so good. Dan Mora. Yeah, Dan Mora is doing amazing work here. Dan Mora is something here. else. Yeah, his his like bastard Hal, his like Nezha controlled Hal is so good. Um, yeah, there is there is like not a panel in this book. That doesn't look amazing. Essentially, mm-hmm. everything he touches is just fantastic here. I really enjoy the expressiveness that he gives Bruce's eyes in the bat cowl. But that's something that I think a lot of people just tend to draw Batman's eyes sort of the same way, no matter what's going on in the scene. But he manages to get a ton of like expressiveness out of those relatively same shaped eyes in a variety of combinations, just like whether they're angled a little bit differently, like down or up, or sometimes they get like real big when, when Bruce looks surprised, it's just a really, really subtle distinction that works very, very well. Um, Also, I love how both super characters just carry their respective bat character, like under their arms and they fly (laughs) T-pose everywhere they go. That's just like, this is how you carry someone when you're flying. Yeah. 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 I, I still don't know how I feel about the, oh, Supergirl can just time travel now <laughs> elements of this. Well, uh, wait, wait, just, wait. We already covered that. I know. I said, I said I'm still not necessarily on board with that, but that's yeah, but that, it's, it's been a thing forever. I know, but it just, it just feels cheap to me. But I, but I'm saying if that's my biggest complaint about this comic, then this comic's pretty great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh once again, my only complaint about the, the time stream traveling is that they don't have the giant uh, n- numbers denoting the decades that she's flying through like like they used to do back in Bronze Age mm-hmm. uh, comics. Uh, I feel like that I feel like that is a missing detail that uh, would, would kick this over the top as far as like DC lore is concerned. Um, but yeah, I just think, Oh, here's the other thing I think is is great about this comic, and it has to do with the time travel. 
Um, I feel like playing fast and loose with the, with the rules of that is something that maybe wouldn't be allowed in a DC comics that had a tighter or more stringently um, regulated continuity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked on the show about how like the best where I have anyway, I won't speak for you guys, but the best thing about DC is when um, there's a tight continuity and a strong like uh, connectivity between the books. But I think like not everything is perfect. Obviously I think we, we find a lot of the books are, are still kind of boring and, and you know, there's a little bit of cream rising to the top, but, but, but I love the, I love the, attitude and the publishing style that DC has, even if I don't love all the books, like the fact that there is a certain group of books that have a really tight continuity that kind of inform uh, what's happening across the current sort of status quo is great. But then you have books like this that are clearly allowed to do whatever they want. I mean, why is this book set when it's set? You know, I know that there's a greater plan here, but they could have made Mark Wade set it in a time that wasn't so anachronistic. Right. Right. Um, they could have made him set it in like a more recent past if it had to be, because obviously it's some kind of past setup that sets a future conflict in the DCU. We already know that. Right but they could have told him, okay, you have to set this at like the beginning of rebirth or something like that, a more recent status quo. Right. But, but he doesn't have to, he's setting it when, when Dick is still Robin and, and we see, we see a a justice league characters later that we haven't seen together in a while. And uh, yeah, it's just, I I really love that the book is just allowed to do this. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a courtesy that most writers at DC don't get. And I wonder if the only reason Wade gets it is because he's so new back in the fold. Or if Wade just commands this respect and he can get this throughout his tenure at DC. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, if some of the other books we talk about today are going to do similar things. Um, so maybe it's just something DC's open to right yeah. now. Yeah. Let's hope so, because that makes for some fun comics. Yeah, I mean, you you said before the show to us, I think you were actually excited to talk about these. And I, I feel like. I feel like it's because it's that great DC thing where where what's what's old is new again. Yes, but it, but it doesn't it doesn't betray necessarily any progress that they're making. It, at least it doesn't feel that way. You know, no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Anything else to add? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Um, there's there's the interesting bit about somebody is messing with time. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, the time stream gets mix, messed up and Supergirl loses dick in time. Which, who knows what's going to happen with that. I mean, I, I know this is just like playing right into Zach when I say this, but I almost feel like this is a setup to just reintroduce hyper time. Yeah. 
Yeah, who knows? I mean, so this arc only has one more issue left. Yeah, I, I, that was my one actual critique of this comic was I felt like this felt like it should have been the end of the arc, like four issues should have been enough for this story. But I recognize that most arcs now run six issues, and thank goodness this isn't six issues. Yeah, I think I think five still feels good. It maybe could be a little short. I feel like five five works well because then I really like how this book is working or how apparently it's working where like we're having this first arc and then somehow out of this, the Batman versus Robin book is going to happen. And then we're going to have the second arc. And Wade said that there's another miniseries spinning out of that arc, which is just kind of nutty and wild to think about. <laughs> Do we know for sure that Batman versus Robin spins out of this? That's what he said. Okay, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I didn't read that. I wasn't sure if that was just another way to project or if that's spinning out of this. But that's, but that's I, actually I'm, a really cool way to do this book. I I'm think. almost positive that's what he said. I I could be wrong, but I I'm pretty sure I read that in in, in the same interview that said the second arc was gonna was gonna lead to another mini as well. That's fun. Good for Mark Wade. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on from there to Black Adam. Number one, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. And uh, you guys had read this before I did, and you you built it up pretty high for me in our texts. And uh, you didn't disappoint, boys. This is this is (laughs) just man. Priest is Priest is on another level when you let him do stuff like this. Yeah, uh, Vince or Zach, somebody, somebody go off while I, while I collect my words for this because it's pretty hard to. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty hot and heavy under the collar right now, so. I mean, uh, it it it's already it already reminds me of of Deathstroke in that. I I never know what's going to happen from page to page, even like seemingly bizarre or potentially annoying choices that he makes, like totally work. Like, if you think about this Malik Adam character, he's he drops so many pop culture references <laughs> in like his first two pages mm-hmm. that one would think like this would be the most annoying character imaginable. And he's not somehow like he's very charismatic. And I, there's a line later in the issue where um, his his best friend who he's trying to get with calls him like an old soul or something like that Mm -hmm. and then that completely i i don't know if this was the intention but that completely locks the like cornball humor somewhat dated references into place for me and it like it that in that moment it like perfectly rounded out the character for me like oh i get it now like he's in this first scene, he's presenting himself as this like fast talking, wisecracking, like uh, alpha or something. Right. And then he gets with this, with his friend character. And, and that's kind of the, the springboard or the mirror reflection showing like, Oh no, actually he's, there's insecurities here and he's maybe kind of a shut in and also kind of, old fashioned in some ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that, and then that, that all of that came together for me then. So it's really smart. I think character work 
from Christopher Priest, if, if, if that's what he was intending there. I think it really works. But that's just one small part of this. Like the stuff in the beginning with just the, first of all, the fact that they're using like the young Lord Theo counterpart to Black Adam, you know? Well, I, I, I have a question about that. Yeah. That is not the guy going by Teddy in the Teen Titans Academy stuff. No, I. Yeah. And I don't think no, because that was. That's like a completely different. Right. Version. Right. Yes. Yeah. I was I, yeah. I was when I first I, I figured that out relatively quickly. But the first time you see this character, he looks almost more like that character than the black Adam than, than the Theo Adam we've seen as of late. So for a second, I thought, is he actually tying this together? But no, he's not. And that's okay. have we seen Theo Adam as of late? I mean, I by as of late, I mean, post crisis. So there have been so few appearances. There have been so few appearances of Theo Adam since then. Mm-hmm. There was a whole thing in Jerry Ordway's The Power of Shazam with Theo Adam. But that's, you know, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. And he looked like an older guy in that. So that's why I was just, you know, this just looks much younger than the traditional yeah Theo adam i had a i had a friend at work last week actually who saw the the black adam trailer and he was like is this like is it like shazam where uh shazam has like a a, a child counterpart and he turns he turns into him when he says shazam or whatever and i said that's a complicated question because <laughs> sometimes there is and then other times they're clearly embarrassed by that idea for some reason yes um, but here priest again, priest does a really good job of writing this character as like a arrogant, but nonetheless charismatic. And like, you totally believe that this kid is a swinging dick, you know? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Oh, um, I mean, I, I don't know that I have a lot more to say than, than what you guys already said. Um, the art is fantastic. Yes. Rafa Sandoval on art. Um, I did want to talk about the opening segment a little bit more, um, opening up with this kind of court hearing, um, about, uh, I don't know. It's been a minute since I read it. So (laughs) I'm not exactly, I have to refresh on the particulars. It has to do with like budgetary stuff with, Condoc, I don't know. Yes, it's all, it's all yes. a little dense. Yeah, but it's t- uh, it's typical. Like, why why is the U.S. giving yeah. aid to certain? Co- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's it's interspersed with this battle uh, between Black Adam and what what appears to be Dark Side. Um, and there's the there's the editor's box to let you know that this this takes place prior to the events of Death of the Justice League because you. you <laughs> You got to know that um and that that whole segment was like very very fun and uh just very very well drawn just looks so good uh the fight looks great yeah yes yeah it's extremely good um there's a nice little gag um at the end of that section where uh black adam reveals that he knows that Martian Manhunter has been there the whole time. Yes, yes. Uh, in- invisible spying on the on the events. 
uh, which was good. And yeah, I really like this. Um, well, not invisible, like shape shifting. I got the impression that he was invisible. If you look at the at the the page, was he? There's a, there's a guy sitting. There's, there's a bearded fellow on the right, and there's a guy with glasses sitting next to him. And the oh, next he's panel, the he's, no, the bearded he's, guy. Is... He's the guy with the glasses. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, you're right. Okay. Um, regardless, he's there. Yeah, he's there. Um, pedant. Um, yep, that's me. Well, that that's that's literally Martian Manhunter's powers. But so. he can also he can also turn invisible, right? Can he? I when, he when's, could. The, when's the last time we saw that? Yeah. Post crisis, was... Brian. <laughs> I thought he could. Hold on. <laughs> oh, he's so old. <laughs> I'm gonna check if that's a thing. Make sure I didn't make it up. All it right. might well, it might be a thing, but this was clearly he was playing somebody else. So my favorite gag in the issue is when uh, there's that there's that murder scene. Yeah, he can do that. Oh, he can. Yeah. All right. Well, fine. My favorite gag in the thing is when is when uh, uh, the cops are like around that murder scene and they're like, who is this guy? And and uh, the senator says the Archduke Ferdinand clearly mm-hmm. making like a right. sardonic reference to what this is going to mean. And then the cops like Ferdinand, E.N. or yeah. I.N. Yeah. He's like actually writing it down. <laughs> That's a good gag. <laughs> yeah, that that is a good gag. There, there, there's this has all of the uh, priest touchstones. It has real. It it has moments that are meant to be funny and are actually funny. It has a lot of intrigue. It has a twist that you don't necessarily see coming. It has some fun character moments. This is just fantastic. That there's and I love the sort of conceit of this, which is that. Black Adam is dying. He's going to bequeath the power to someone young. And while I think we can all agree that he's probably not actually going to die, I feel like if there's one writer who would attempt to actually kill off Black Adam, it would be Priest. Sure. And he said that DC is letting him do something he never thought they would let him do. (sighs) And I kind of feel like it maybe is killing Black Adam. But with the movie coming out, I feel like there's no way they actually let him do that. Well, I feel like they could I feel like they could kill him in this book and still have that crappy movie tie in where, oh, where they well, will, yes. the, the thing is, unless it jumps ahead, they can't kill him because this is taking place before oh, death of the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When, when have they really paid attention to that? <laughs> like, no, you're right. You're right. Um, Unfortunately. But yeah. no, so some of the other stuff that I thought was really, really great about this. I mean, we mentioned Rafa Sandoval's art, but I think his art is just consistently really good. And it's one of the few artists that DC has. He's one of the few artists DC has around lately that I feel like every time I read a Rafa Sandoval comic, the second and third time I page through it, I'm noticing just more and more detail. His work really unfolds over time. and I just love it. Um, I really love that almost more than anywhere else on the DC, like on Earth and DC Comics, everybody kind of knows what Condoc is all about. But this adds a couple of new wrinkles to it in a way that feels additive and doesn't feel like retconning a little bit. You know, I just feel like it's for up until maybe 52 era, it seemed like it was just a very generic Middle Eastern country, North African country. And it seems like since they 
you know, have doubled down on Black Adam being the leader of that country. You get a real sense for sort of what their deal is. I think this does a good job of keeping it in line with the conduct that we've seen before. Um, And I think that one of the big things about Black Adam that people like to, to write is his arrogance. But I think that this book handles his arrogance in a way where it feel I, there, there's a fine line between between drawing someone who's arrogant and someone who's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Priest does a good job of making him less of an asshole and just more arrogant. Although he's still kind of an asshole. But this is really good. I am very happy this is coming out. It says on the front, it's a 12 issue miniseries. Let's please hope that this becomes a. Uh, a swamp thing situation. We get a little bit more time with the, with these characters because this is multi bane, as we like to say in these parts. Yeah. yeah, we I think we had alluded to or we had mentioned it being an ongoing and in, in an earlier episode. Uh, just because I don't I don't think it had ever when it was announced, unless we we missed it. I I didn't remember seeing it announced one way or the other. Um, but the, yeah, this clearly says it's a mini. But hopefully, we'll get more. I just yeah. assume there will never be another ongoing that's not Batman, Wonder Woman, or Superman ever mm-hmm. again, or The Flash. There'll be a Justice League again. <laughs> no, nah, no, no, it's gone forever. Oh, I forgot. They're yes. all dead. It's gone. It's it's gone forever. They're dead and buried. Yep. It's over. Um, one more thing I want to say about this is. Uh, I love the little per, the, the the black and white uh, text priest panel that says the newsboy when we're introduced to the new Malik Adam character. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Like what? Like he's not referred to that anywhere else in the in the in the issue. I don't think. Um, but that's kind of that's interesting. That's an interesting choice of words <laughs> are you thinking there's maybe a uh, a certain legion i mean maybe right? boys that could be referenced here what if christopher priest is creating a new newsboy legion wait what is this guy's name malik adam white <laughs> well what is encyclopedia Wilker- encyclopedia wilkerson doing here i don't believe he's an existing character I'm just checking. Yeah, I I love that Priest has continued his uh like black and white boxes that just introduce titles for scenes that don't always make sense mm-hmm. initially, and it just it, it really does set a mood for the book. Yeah. Okay, no, I was wondering, I was looking to see if he might have, this would have just been a way out there pool, but I was looking to see if he maybe could have been one of the characters from the Newsboy Army and Seven Soldiers, but mm. I, don't, I don't think he is. That would be uh, wild. Yeah, I think he's just a new new invention. And that's that's cool, too. That is also good. Not everything has to be a pull. Yeah, I mean, I immediately like him as a character too. Um, I'm I'm immediately invested. 
Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to do a roundup of this week's Dark Crisis time. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with this week's two Dark Crisis tie-ins. It's funny, when we had talked about what we were going to cover this week, we sort of begrudgingly mentioned we would do a Dark Crisis roundup. And uh, I'm tipping my hat a little bit here. I really enjoy both these issues. I'm glad we're talking about them. First up is Dark Crisis Young Justice number one, written by Megan Fitzmartin, illustrated by Laura Laura Braga. Um, let me start with off this one. I have been very critical of a lot of uh, Megan Fitzmartin's writing at DC so far. I think this is by far the best thing she's ever done at DC. I really liked a couple of different aspects of this. I like that there's a, a legitimately interesting mystery that's popping up out of this. I think so many times when it comes to event tie-ins, the sort of hook of it is just, this is an event tie-in. There's not like a self-contained story within the tie-in that really grabs my attention. But this idea of these three characters suddenly being transported either back in time or to an alternate dimension or something, when Cassie makes a crack about them, is a legitimately interesting mystery to see how it unfolds. So I I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I love Laura Braga's art. I especially love how she really captures the youthfulness of these characters. Sometimes the young characters at DC don't look particularly young, but these characters and not that these characters look like babies or anything, but they just, there's a certain like charm and youthfulness to them. that I think is really, really, um, it, it, it's very, very good for this title. I think it works very, very well. And uh, my only little critique of this book is that, the way she writes Wally West is a little bit more brusque and kind of dickish than I would normally think Wally should be uh, characterized. But that's quite literally my only real complaint with this title. I really, really enjoyed this issue. Uh, Zach, what did you think of this issue? Um, I I thought it was neat. Um, I'm like a potato, like a potato. Um, It, it had, I thought it captured the characters' voices really well. And these are characters, you know, this generation of characters as, as is like highlighted by the book are kind of a generation that's really been glossed over and superseded uh, by other characters in recent years. Um, and also like because of, you know, just fuckery with Flashpoint and the New 52 and Rebirth, like their histories are very muddled and certain things have been referenced or unreferenced you know over the course of different runs and stuff so everything is kind of very unclear about these characters um all of these like what what donna troy used to be like is all of these characters are donna troy now you know basically or or power girl or something um and except for maybe tim tim is probably the most stable um but still i i think like 
mechanically and from kind of like a continuity standpoint, I'm I'm really interested to see where this goes. Um, as an issue, I thought it, I thought it was just kind of okay. You know, it, it was it wasn't bad. It it wasn't, but it, it didn't like blow my mind either. It was just it was just fine. Vince. Yeah, I think uh, I'm somewhere in between you two, which is which is good because I think we I think we all liked it to a certain degree. I think um, the one thing I will say about it is it 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 wallows a little bit too much in the melodrama, um, which is definitely something you should do with these characters. Like I think I think you need dashes of that here and there. Um, they're the right age for that. They've, they've been through a lot, like certainly nothing that Fitzmartin is saying about how they've been treated as characters over the years is untrue, but I think it's poured on a little, a little thick. Not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I still really liked this. Um, so I'm, I'm not really criticizing it too heavily, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's- I, I would think that the argument for that is that if you're trying to give this book stakes that separate it from the, from every other dark crisis, like, oh, wow, our mentors are dead stakes. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to ramp up the melodrama elsewhere. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, but yeah, the, the characters are all written with really, really uh, good voices. The as you said, Brian, the mystery is interesting. Um, uh, on yet another book where. They're going back in time, not just to some like nebulous recent past, but to a very specific time in the DCU, which is very interesting. Um, it they they reference the uh, being post uh, death of Superman mm-hmm. and Luthor running for president, and maybe they mention one or two other things that are that place it in a pretty specific time. Um. And that's that's fun. It's also a time that's not revisited all that much, you know, um, like characters in comics go back in time all the time. But it's usually to these big, ch- massive checkpoints that we're kind of pretty used to seeing. Um, but in this case, uh, it's it's kind of an era that we don't spend a lot of time in, which is fun. Um, let's see. Uh, the other thing I, I absolutely loved about this issue is the way that the mighty endowed yes. was used. Um, just fantastic because it's uh, it's both like bringing that character back definitely in exactly the same way we remember them, but also putting a, a little just a dash of commentary in about how you know, this is kind of ridiculous and over the top. And um, uh, I and forget may- what I forget. And, what, and maybe Peter David's more of a creep than we remembered him being. <laughs> oh, oh, I definitely thought that <laughs> anyway. But uh, by the way, almost was called him Larry David. <laughs> well, him too. <laughs> Peter David and Larry David doing what? What's the prompt? <laughs> uh by the way, anyone know what the Mighty Endowed's uh actual first name is? Uh it's I looked her up. Her her you mean her her civilian name? Yeah. It's Nina Dowd. Dowd, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. 
the mighty endowed. Did you? I I actually looked her because I I was not familiar with this character, so I um uh did a little research, you know, before before the episode, if you know what I mean. Um, but listen to this. <laughs> listen to this. This is trivia. I, I assume this is real. This is on the DC Phantom Wiki trivia. The Mighty Endowed has cat-like features, cat ears, fangs, striped skin, because her name was originally intended to be Sex Kitten, <laughs> and her real name was going to be Professor Sax Contain. <laughs> oh, okay. Boy, uh, I'm glad they I'm glad they went with this instead. Yes. Honestly. Um, this is only the Mighty Endowed's third appearance. Yeah. Also very funny to me that uh, she is categorized under the Jack Kirby's fourth world uh, yes. on, the, yeah. on, the, on the fandom page, even though she was created yeah. in 1999 or 98. Well, it it's because that's her fourth world. No, I, I'm aware. It's just it's yeah. just it's just funny to me. Jack Kirby was rolling over in his grave at this point. So. <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this bit. Um Nina possesses a unique superhuman ability tied to her namesake. Thanks to the super cycle's genetic tampering, her bus size was increased to ridiculous proportions and made the source of her secondary abilities. She seems to be able to admit hypnotic light from her breasts, enchanting anyone who stares at them for too long. Indeed. Yeah. A very anime character, right down to the right down to the clouds that are like covering up mm-hmm. yes. the bus. Yes. She um, she could be like a My Hero Academia character, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Name and everything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and I I am I'm not a fan of Peter David. Um, oh no. No, I mean, and that character is obviously the intent behind that character is probably a, a little gross, but I think the way that it's used you here think? is. I think the way that it's used here is is fun. And it's 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 Fitz Martin like having fun with kind of a gross concept and making it like the the thing that I like most about it is that they it's not a lecture right like they don't bring they don't bring this character back to be like this was this was so raw you know right <laughs> Which, right you know they would maybe be in the right to do but it doesn't make for good comics right I think the way that it was handled in this was really good comic booking where where there is a subtle commentary there if you're looking for it but also they're just they're just playing up this character as as being patently ridiculous which i i think even peter david knows so i would hope so yeah but yeah no this was this is fun let's uh let's have more fun comics like this absolutely and speaking of fun we have our final issue of the week, The Flash, number 783, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Amon K. Nahuelpan. I want Zach to start talking about this one, but I just want to start off by saying it's about time that The Flash had art this good in these pages. I'll get Amen. to more in a minute. But Zach, start us off. Yeah, um, this is, uh, I think I overall like this issue a little bit less than the Young Justice one as far as the Dark Crisis tie-in. The art. I think was better. The art was good, really good. Um, and it is very cool to see the Flash family all together again. It, I, I kind of, is this the first time we've seen like all of these characters together on one page? I, be, I mean, not the first time, but the first time in a very long time. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like 
you know, I'm not sure because I'm not sure because remember as as these characters were kind of reintroduced in Williamson's run and in they like, may have had like a big splash in there maybe yeah, yeah. there was yeah. like a couple there was a couple cookout uh, pages where oh, like that's maybe true. They, that's yeah. probably yeah. true yeah that's probably true that's pro yeah you're probably right okay but it's definitely been the first time since Infinite Frontier started i think yeah um, i, I think so. i recall um so that's that's like that's very cool um but i, th- I think like the plot of this is just just fine um you know the the gist is they're 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 looking for barry they've locked on to the the signals of three different berries throughout the multiverse and so they've created the speed force portal to go uh go find them and um one of them is clearly like a flash batman which okay and then the next one the next one is like very cool it's like it's like mad max yeah barry basically yes um and then and then the third one is our barry who's in this kind of um this like golden age or I guess technically it would be Silver Age world yes. um, that that we've been seeing uh, throughout Infinite Frontier, and um, we don't we don't really get anything more than that, uh, other than the the different groups being uh, sent to the to the different worlds. There's a little bit of stuff about um, Linda having powers, which is something that's been going through this book, but it's it's only like talked about a little bit. Um, I think it's like an okay first issue. It just didn't really blow me away. Vincy? Yeah. I, um, I, I think I liked it a little more than Zach, but again, like, yeah, it didn't, it didn't blow me away. I think um, two bits that I really loved were Mr. Terrific. Okay. So Linda's trying to confess to uh, Wally that she has powers now or that she's been experiencing powers and she can't do it or she can't quite get it out. And then suddenly it's t- the shit hits the fan and, and they've got to go. Right. Classic, classic uh, misunderstanding trope. Right. But then Michael Holt like turns around and is like, so how long have you had them? <laughs> and, yeah. Like, he just knows. And I love, I love that's a great character bit. Um, it, 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 it strings that along a little bit and it, and it throws a little interesting wrench in there. And, uh, just a really smart, smart character bit for, for a character who doesn't get a heck of a lot of them anymore in the DCU, I think. Correct. Um, and, and then, yep. And then I love that. I love that, that Barry is, um, or sorry, that Wally is right away in Barry's idyllic world. Like they're, they're not going to drag that out. They're cutting to the chase He's there. We get to see it. Um, one fears that when you have a story like this with a tie-in, that they drag that out so that like maybe that reveal happens later, right? Or, or Wally gets stuck somewhere else before he's on that world, you know. But I love that he's right there right away. Um, it it that sort of thing signals to me that the plot of all of this is maybe not as decompressed as I would fear, you know. Well, you know, they did exp- expand this from four issues to five. Sure. Yeah. And that doesn't bother me as long as as long as they're they're moving along at this same clip. You know, like the thing that would have bugged me 
the thing that would have made it felt decompressed rather than a meaty issue would be if Wally ended up in the Barry Allen Batman world or where he's like Bruce Wayne, basically. And then he gets kicked over to the other, to the Mad Max world. And then he finally ends up in the idyllic Barry world, you know? Right, right. Uh, I love that they split this up into teams and some of the other teams ended up in these other places and we're still going to get to experience them, but we don't have to deal with this plot that gets dragged out um, just for the excuse of, of stalling for time or something like that. Just give it all to us at once. We can handle it, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think that's a that's a, a good way to, to phrase it. My I, it was going to come as no surprise to anyone that I was higher on this than you guys were, um, because I'm the Flash family boy of the three of us, and I love seeing characters like Jesse Quick be part of the Flash family. She's a character who sometimes is, sometimes isn't. Uh, we do see her in in two different issues this week in two different costumes, uh, so that can't be a can't be a ten out of ten. It has to be a nine out of ten. Um, <laughs> But, but overall, you know, I, I love the Flash family stuff. I think it's great to see Jay and Max and just the whole crew there. I, I think that it's such a rich family of, of comics characters that just don't get utilized enough together. You, know, you might see those characters elsewhere, but I think that there's such a special thing. Like there's this bond that speedsters have with one another that DC uses a lot. And I, I greatly enjoy that. So I, I, I'm a sucker for that. I'm a sucker for Mr. Terrific. So that's another, uh, you know, point in this book's favor. And I'm uh, I'm a big Wally guy. I, I think this is a really. I think this is a tie in that makes sense, and it does the thing that I think. A lot of recent tie ins to. Events have not done which is it's taking a mystery that is that is a piece of the event, but probably there won't be enough time for it in the main event, which is where is Barry Allen? And it's telling that story elsewhere. Whereas I feel like sometimes you just don't get all the tie-ins are just like, it's, it's Batman, but this event's happening in the background. This is a, this is really tying into the event in an important way. And I just think Jeremy Adams is, continuing to prove himself as one of the best young writers at DC. So yeah, I I'm I'm definitely in the uh in the bag for this book. But that's okay. We all kind of liked it and I liked it more than you guys, but that's totally fine. Um I will say that I think there is a I think there's a very real feel of older event tie-ins. To me these tie-ins felt more like the infinite crisis era or final crisis era tie-ins mm -hmm. than any time we've gotten for an event in the last 10 years. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I was planning on making that point and then I never did, but, but they really do feel, they all feel like throwbacks, but in a good way, like back to a time where, um back back to a time where the 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 there was some trust given to the reader that they could follow a connected universe you yes. know and that then that they could play with big big casts and and time travel and things like that all thrown into this great blender um of variety and and yeah not not everything was just surface level 
or not everything had to be explained to you in, in excruciating detail? Um, not this flash issue so much, mostly the more so the, um, the young justice issue really makes me wonder if like the like status quo post dark crisis is going to be just like whole cloth finally just like ripping the bandaid off and going back to like a like a everything pre-flashpoint happened you know and like <laughs> and and it's just like we stop I, I feel like every event has like progressively done it more and more um but uh what if what if they what if they renumber what if they put out the every comics <laughs> every book that was being published i mean obviously you couldn't do this with action or or detective or what if every book that was being published when flashpoint happened like is back <laughs> what if they have like j- not written by james robinson please but the James Robinson Justice League roster and everything, and it just picks right back up. Oh God! <laughs> and Jeremy Adams writes it or something. They should do it. Yeah, they should. Who would say no? Wouldn't it be? I would love a month if like DC ever needed to do like a random skip month again. If they would do a month where every issue is just the next issue of what each series would have been if Flashpoint hadn't happened. Yeah. Yes. So here, here's the question for you then, Zach. Would the Justice League issue just be one of those issues that was teased sure. in the uh yeah, yeah, or or whatever comes after all of those things? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Jeff, that's that's what I want. I mean, you could even Lemire finally gets to do his Twin Peaks Superboy. Yeah. Or you you could even go back and do it like one month you do all the things after Crisis and Infinite Earths. <laughs> you know, like just, just do yeah. different different events like that. Anyone that had a that had a reboot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I once again, like uh, I'm way more interested in what happens after the event than I am in the event itself. Uh, but we'll <laughs> see. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm sure I'm sure that's coming. I'm already yeah, I'm already there. Yeah, no, I re- I'm still enjoying what we've got going on I, here. I, I'm enjoying what we got because I feel like I think I had said this to you guys before. I know I've been thinking this since this all started, but I, I feel like I am more. I'm more interested at this point in the entire. I mean, I, I'm always more interested in the meta narrative right but i feel like specifically i like when there's an event that feels like it's touching all corners of the dc universe and this feels like it's touching more stuff than say metal did right um Mm -hmm. and so i'm just enjoying that experience of this sort of more expansive story for now man i was thinking about metal the other day and Remember how that book had had the Sandman in it? Had Morpheus? Isn't that nutty? Yeah. Or I guess yes. it wasn't Morpheus. It was uh, Daniel. Uh, it was the Daniel Hall. Daniel yeah. Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Ballsy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a wild. Oh man, what a wild reveal! If I could go back and like read our texts from some of the stuff that like got revealed over the years, like 
our exchanges it would be so funny yeah <laughs> like when we found out about the dc rebirth twist yes yeah uh, yeah um another thing i think about this about this event is this is the first time in a while where i'm not concerned about what comes after because i like where we're, where we are so much like even with even as much as i enjoyed metal and death metal to a degree there was still always something i was missing in that world or like i or like i felt we needed to get to whereas right now you're you're kind of giving me the ideal like how often have we talked about how we don't mind if the justice league is taken off the table right, right like right Zach hates Bruce Wayne, first of all. <laughs> I don't mind that the, the legacy characters are gone for a while. I want to see all these young characters, and that's what we're getting right now. And um, it just it just feels really good. Like, like, if this were just an event that came and went and the Justice League was still dead at the end and we just moved forward for a year or so with a DCU just with these young youngsters driving it, like, man... I, I, you don't need anything more than that. I, I, I wouldn't mind a, a kind of a simple no frills ending like that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so, Vincey, what comes out next week? Oh, well, next week is Batman Catwoman 12, Batman Fortress number two. DC versus Vampires Killers number one. Oh God! Um, Deathstroke Inc. number ten. Detective Comics ten sixty one. Harley Quinn sixteen. Robin fifteen. Task Force Z nine and the Swamp Thing number fourteen. Yeah, really, really great stuff, right, Vince? The DC universe is in a, is in a great place right now. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, there's there's one week a month where that appears to be the exception. I don't uh, know. Wait till you see what comes out the next week. <laughs> I'm excited about some of that stuff. There's like one good book in there. Maybe yeah. two. He'll keep drinking that garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dark Bull is very disappointed in me. <laughs> Batman, um, Batman, one hundred and twenty-five, and Poison Ivy are two books I'm, those, I'm looking. Those are the good ones, yes. Heavily towards reading. Well, until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian needs a nap, and I am at the Woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is taking a nap in a bird's nest with Sufjan Stevens <laughs> and uh, Bonavere. Oh, if only. I know. He's I know. running up that hill with Halsey. Yeah. <laughs> if only I'm making the McMahon face. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye. You can't. You can say it to me, but you can't put it on the internet. <laughs>